angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I find this really interesting because the text doesn't tell us why Mary found favor with God, but just that she had. It doesn't tell us if Mary had lived faithfully, if there was a certain, if it was the family she was born into, but just that God had favor on her. And I was, I was thinking about this. I, you know, just, I'm, I'm a new father. My daughter is in the back there, and she's just the cutest kid you could ever see. And if you disagree, that's okay. But those who say she's the cutest, I immediately say, yes, she is. And as Mike said a couple weeks ago in his sermon, he's like, I'm going to start talking about my new son, probably in every sermon. So if I get to preach again, that might be the case for me too. But as a new father, I just immediately have experienced this, this overwhelming favor for my daughter. And one moment specifically just resonates and. Um, I wrote about this in our newsletter, so if you've already read it, I apologize, but whatever. So I was holding her one day, and it was within the first month of her life, and her, the first month was really hard. It, we've just seemed, it just seemed like she hated this side of the womb, and we're like, we're sorry, but you can't go back. So I'm holding her, and she lost a worrisome amount of weight, and we're just stressed out, and we want her well-being, and we don't know what to do other than just try to pump her full of milk. And I can't really help with that very much. So I'm standing around helpless. So I was trying to change every diaper I can. And, and she hadn't pooped for a couple days. And those who are parents know that that can be a little, a little scary, especially if they've lost some weight. And so she is in my arms and I'm looking at her. I'm just like, you are so beautiful and precious, and I just, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And all of a sudden, she poops. And I'm just like, yes! Like, oh my gosh! You did it! And it's poop in a diaper. But yet, I felt so much pride and so much love over this little daughter of mine and just, and pooping. And I'm like, I don't, this doesn't make sense other than the fact that she's mine. That she's mine. And that's what God thinks about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if the greatest thing you've ever done is poop in a diaper. He loves you. He has favor for you. And you know, this can be a hard concept to kind of grasp or just take to heart because, you know, we hear this and if you're anything like me, you've, you've struggled with some sort of anxiety, depression, and just looking at yourself in negative ways. And I think that sometimes we live life as if we're like in one of those carnival funhouse mirror rooms. 
and we look at those mirrors and we're like, oh, that looks terrible. Everything that I don't like about myself is accentuated. And we're looking in the mirror and we just see this terrible person, this terrible thing looking back at us. But God says, no, that is not what I see. See, I want to give you a new mirror. I have favor on you. I prefer you. I love you. I cherish you. The mirror I want you to look at shows you something that's beautiful, something that's worth my son's sacrifice. That's what I think of you. That's how I want you to see yourself. And it's a hard thing to do, and it doesn't happen overnight. We don't just all of a sudden flip a switch and go, God, I see myself how you see me. It's not how it works. But we need to trust what Scripture tells us. If we could put Galatians 2.20 up, we have a promise here. It says here that I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And another passage that came to mind was 1 John 3, 1. If we could get that one up next, thank you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. See, we get to know God. We get to experience him as our father, as someone who loves us and favors us if we believe and we trust in Jesus. And like I said, those those negative thoughts don't just turn off with a switch. And What we need to do is immerse ourselves in God's word and in a community that speaks truth. Because you can't just turn off negative thoughts, you have to replace them. You have to fill them with the truth. You have to remove the lie by pushing it out with truth. That's where we need to be. You have hope because Jesus approves of you. But he doesn't only approve of us, he also rescues us. You have hope because King Jesus saves you from your sins. He rescues you from yourself. We're going to jump to Matthew now. And in Matthew, we get Joseph's account. Joseph is engaged to Mary. Like I said, they, they were, because they were engaged, they had not yet consummated their marriage. So Mary is a virgin. But he hears that she's going to be pregnant. He, actually, he knew she was pregnant. He was about to divorce her. And an angel shows up. And says, Joseph, this child, this child is the one you've been waiting for. 
This child is the one that will bring salvation to his people. In Matthew 1, 21, the angel says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, like I said, like, the irony here is that the Jewish people were wanting that political savior. They wanted freedom from Rome. They wanted their land back, yet the savior they were getting was to free them from their own depravity and the consequences of that depravity. And I think it's, it's interesting, and, and to kind of bring some Christmas traditions into the sermon, I was thinking how we kind of have implanted this idea of, of sin into Christmas tradition. Because if you're nice, you get presents. And if you're naughty, you get coal and punishment, right? And, you know, sometimes that falls flat because naughty kids get gifts and nice kids don't. But Germany does this interesting thing, and I want to show you some pictures because they have a couple Christmas parades that I think illustrate well this idea of us and what we're saved from. So if we could get the first image up... This is like the good parade, right? Santa comes in, he's giving kids candy and treats and presents, and, and they love it, right? Santa is seen as this loving old man with a beard that everyone wants to visit them. But they also have a parade called the Krampus Parade. And this is legitimate, guys. They basically have characters characters that look like they're out of Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something, marching down the street trying to terrify children. And this is like, it looks so hellish, right? I mean, we think of like, oh, give a kid coal, but really we don't. In reality, the wages of our sin is death. It's this. It's this gruesome existence, this eternal punishment. And when we have Jesus, we are saved from that. We are saved from that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And it's not until we're saved from sin that we realize how bound we were. Because when we are free from sin, our entire lives change. And we're freed from chains that we didn't realize were holding us down. We're free to love people wholeheartedly. We're free to love God wholeheartedly. And I think that sometimes the consequences of sin can be like poor Wi-Fi. Stick with me. <laughs> this will make sense. We have these technology, right? And you, let's say you're at a coffee shop and you see that there's a Wi-Fi connection and you're trying to connect and then you're trying to open a page on your, your browser and you just see that little spinny thing spinning and spinning and spinning and you're like, are you serious? Come on. 
This is the world of 5G internet. What's going on here? I should have high speed. And you go and you disconnect and then you reconnect and nothing. You open and close the browser, nothing. It's still not changing. You even decide, okay, I'll turn off my device and I'll turn it back on and that still doesn't work and you're just furious. I know I am. And you're like, I'm living in this world that feels like AOL is still my internet. If you're young and you don't know what AOL is, ask your parents later. Um, but you've realized that things are not working correctly, that things aren't the way they should be. And when we are still in sin, we are living in the consequence of it daily, but we also have the future consequence of it, and we realize that life isn't what it ought to be. And that we don't have the freedom that we want. We feel like we're stuck doing the same thing over and over and trying to make changes here and be free from it and pressure a refresh button or restart and disconnect and reconnect. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Your life feels like it's spinning out of control. And when Jesus saves you from your sin, you realize that that was what you were living in. Jesus gives you hope because he saves you from your sin. He saves you from its consequences. He saves you from yourself. But he doesn't just want to save you. He also wants to be with you. Jesus wants to be with you. You have hope because Jesus will live with you forever. And we're going to look at both Luke and Matthew. Luke. There we go. Sorry about that. Luke 1, 31 through 33 says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the God, Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Matthew 1.23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A couple other verses that echo this are Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This was prophesied ahead of time. And we just finished our David series, and in 2 Samuel 7.14-16, through 16, David receives this promise as well. God is speaking to David through a prophet, and he says, I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. God has the plan 
to be with you forever. And I know we're, we're talking about kings and kings in a kingdom and living in his kingdom, and sometimes that feels a little out of touch. So I thought maybe let's talk about the president. What would it be like if you got a call one day and this person just says, hold for the president, please? And you're like, wait, what? Is this a joke? And all of a sudden, you hear his voice and you go, okay, maybe this is the president. And he says, you've been chosen. Uh, nothing that you've done, but you've been chosen. And I'm sending Marine One, my helicopter, to pick you up today and all of your belongings. And you're going to come and live at the White House for the rest of your life. All expenses that you ever will have will be paid. Room and board, free. And let's say you don't like our current president. Just think of your most, your favorite president, the one you would want to live with, and, and put that in there. So, and he says, or she says, you can be with me whenever you want. You can come into every meeting. You can go on every trip. You can actually eat. But scripture says that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. That if we knock on the door, he will open it. And I know that in times when I have not heard God's voice and I have not seen him in my life, it's because I was out of touch. But he is faithful to always be there when you're ready to listen. And you're ready to look for him. He is there. And the promise is that he will be with you forever. You have hope because Jesus is with you for eternity when you trust in him. And because he was with you, he will also work through you. You have hope because King Jesus does the impossible through you. In Luke 1, 37, 
Mary is responding, saying, God, I, I'm a virgin. How am I going to be with a child? And he says, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. This will be a virgin birth. And in Luke 137, he says, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. A virgin birth is impossible without God. Healing the sick is impossible without God. Raising the dead is impossible without God. Walking on water is impossible without God. And even trusting and loving God is impossible without God. There are a number of things in our lives that are impossible without Him. How would you live differently if you believed that God wanted to do the impossible through you each day? And had a plan to actually do that. And I get it that, you know, none of us feel worthy. And maybe you go, I, I've done so many things. Does God really want to use me? I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I should be used by God. And it's not about you. It's about Him. And it's about Him seeing Christ in you. See, God loves you because Jesus is what He sees when He looks at you. Jesus is with you and can do the impossible through you. And feeding the homeless can feel impossible. And loving your spouse at times can feel impossible. And being with family and, and sharing the gospel can feel impossible. But that is not impossible with God. See, just like Mary was chosen to be someone who would bear the Savior... Jesus is with you. He's with you everywhere you go. And all those things that seem impossible, all those things that get in the way and feel like they're stopping you from living a life fully for Him can be overcome with giving Him each day. Giving Him yourself. Believing that He does want to do those things in you and through you. Faith itself is impossible, like I said, without God in us. For Israel, the coming of their Savior, savior was this long-awaited thing, and they wanted that freedom from Rome. But that is not what they got. Instead, the whole world has received a Savior, a Messiah, who frees us from ourselves, frees us from our sin, who gives us hope because He favors us, who gives us hope because He frees us from that sin, gives us hope because He wants to live with us forever, and gives us hope because He has decided to do the impossible through us. 
Those are reasons that we should have hope today. Guys, hope is now. Hope is now. We don't look forward to it because we look back and we see that Jesus has already come, that he's already won the battle. Hope is a present reality that we can live in this very moment. We have hope today. And we also have hope because Jesus has promised to return. My prayer for us is that as we do leave today, that we will remember these things, that we will settle down when we feel anxiety and take time to breathe and remember that hope is now. That God is with us.